0: Welcome to the You Need More Money podcast. I'm your host, Matt Monero, coming to you from the studio in Dallas, Texas. I appreciate everybody's support as we've started recording more episodes and you guys sending me notes and emails and DMs of how much you're enjoying it. So it makes me enjoy it. So I want to keep bringing it to you, and that's what we're going to do here. I'm in the studio with Z today on this Thursday morning, rainy Thursday morning here in Dallas, Texas. Man, the last four days of the weather has just been awesome. Awful here in Dallas. Cold and wet and uh, ugly. Here's what I want to talk about today. I want you to give me recommendations. Now, I want to tell you what I mean when I tell you to give me recommendations because it might be a little different than what you think I'm thinking about. First off, I want you to make more money. I mean, that's the strategy of the book and the podcast, and hopefully while you're listening is for strategies on how you can make more money. So here's the way you're going to make more money. You're going to start giving people recommendations. I want you to tell me what I don't know. That's the sign of a great salesperson, of an expert. Whether you're a salesperson or not, experts give recommendations based on skills, experience, education, real life scenarios, the things that they know about, they're confident in recommending that to their customers and eventually they get paid for that recommendation and that expertise. Remember, amateurs get crushed and experts get paid. Now, this this concept is not done enough. I'm going to give you two examples on the podcast today of recent scenarios in which it was done and which it wasn't done. But I love the book, The Challenger Sale, by a guy named Matt Dixon. If you've never picked up the book, you should go get it. The Challenger Sale by Matt Dixon. And Matt Dixon breaks out data after the 2008 Great Recession And he talks about what happened to the relationship salesperson and what happened to the challenger salesperson um, after the Great Recession. And the reality is the relationship salesperson got crushed and the challenger salesperson thrived. You need to give me recommendations. You need to challenge my thinking. You need to get good enough to challenge my thinking. Me means the client in order to make more money. Period, end of story. The relationship type salesperson is the one who spends the company expense account all the way, takes the client to the Cowboys game and the golf and the steak dinners and orders the Camus and all that sort of stuff. And at the end of the day, when the recession hits or times get tough or management changes or budgets get slashed or competition comes in and starts eating your client's lunch That relationship becomes a lot less important. But you, as a relationship salesperson, you think it is the most important. Oh, hell, Bob's been doing business with me for 20 years. Bob will keep doing business with me. No, he won't. The challenger salesperson is the one who wins the business from you, the relationship salesperson. Because the challenger tells the client things that they should be thinking about that maybe they're not thinking about things that their other competitors are thinking about and things that make them more money. So let me give you just two examples <clears throat> in which this happened to me. The first is pretty straightforward and simple in that when we remodeled the CFF headquarters and if you've if you've been to my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, you can see the video of what the place looks like. Um, you know, our team did an awesome job. It's it's a great, great facility. It's a world-class office, <clears throat> and we're very proud of it. But during the build-out, we were struggling with paint colors, particularly I was struggling with paint colors. And, you know, my relationship with Judge Graham and Burn the Ships, you know, Judge is a real color, vibrant sort of visualization guy. And that... that that got me out of my comfort zone when it came to redoing this offices from a coloring standpoint and so the paint i had the whole place painted white that was the first thing i did i said i want to i told painters paint the entire place white i want it to look like an art gallery and we'll come in and figure out what colors we want to put on and i was really struggling with the colors You know, did I want grays or did I want blues or did I want off whites and did I really want it to be vibrant and would the vibrant colors emote different emotions and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, the painter kept calling me and saying, hey man, what's going on with the color? What's going on? I got to schedule my guys. What's the story with the color? And this went on for a couple of weeks. And then finally when he called me, I said, look, I'm really struggling with the colors. He's like, man, I wish you had told me about that. He's like, I got a designer on staff. I'll send her out to your office and she'll help you with that. Bam. The next day, Wednesday, Wendy is in my office and she's got the color wheel and she's literally walking through the office and saying, this color would look great on this wall and therefore it'll contrast with this color over here and we'll bring the yellows over here and the purples over here and the oranges and the blues. And within an hour, all the accent walls and the coloring were done in this office. Why? Because the guy asked me, what's the holdup? And I told him, I can't figure out the colors, and he gave me the solution. He gave me the person on his step. By the way, never charged me for that. Never charged me for Wendy's time. That was the add-on, the closer. Now, I don't even know whether I ended up paying more, I guess, maybe in the service or the paint. I have no idea. All I know is that we got a sick office. And it happened because the painter searched for my pain point, gave me the staff, the recommendation, and we executed on it. And the deal got closed and the project got completed. And the office looks awesome. And the painter got paid. He gave me recommendations. He made my life easier. Now, the counter to that is, um, the rocker just talked me into buying a lake house and, uh, I didn't want to buy a lake house. I was perfectly comfortable renting this lake house that we'd been renting on Possum Kingdom Lake. I was very comfortable renting this lake house. It didn't bother me one bit. I didn't need to own it. I liked checking in. I liked checking out. It was great. But wouldn't you know it, a house on that same street, there's only five houses on the street. It's at the end of the street at the dead end. Take a left. There's five houses. Ours is at the end. Pops up for sale. She talks me into it. I paid up for the house. The reality is I paid too much for the house, but when the rocker wants something, the rocker is going to get it. Now, the other piece of that is, yes, today I probably paid up for it, but I also know that, you know, it's an ideal section of the lake. There are only five houses, houses almost never come for sale on that street. So, and by the way, they ended up being, um, eight total bidders for that house in 24 hours. And we ended up getting it. Now, whether it was because we paid too much for it or the guy liked us or the seller is from the town that I live in and I don't know, I never met the guy. We did send him a letter though and the, the seller's agent said that it was the letter that helped us get that house, which was important because it made the rocker happy. Um, but I have to figure out ways to make money on that house, right? Now, the rocker never wants to sell it. She wants it to stay in the family forever. Cool, I'm down with that. But that's not how I think. That's like maybe plan A, don't ever sell it. Plan B is if we sell it, I got to make money on it. So what can I do to make money on this lake house? How can I increase the value of this lake house to ensure that somebody's going to pay more for it than I did? I know the location will get that over time. It's a beautiful house, great location, all that sort of stuff. So I know over time it'll make money, but why not build equity in it now? Why not like ensure that that I'm in the money on this place right now? So first thing we did um, is uh, I'm going to paint the house. And I find the painter out there at the lake and bring the guy over. And I remember I had just gone through this whole painting process here at the office. Why didn't I use the same painter? You didn't want to travel the 100 miles out to the lake, you know, every day back and forth with a crew. I get it. I find a painter. I say to the guy, meet me at the house. No problem. Comes right over the house. Lovely guy. I said, um, what color do you think would look great on this house? Oh, I, I don't do that for clients. Whatever the client wants, we'll paint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no I know that, dude. I, I know that. I, I, trust me. I know that I'm the final decision maker on the paint color. I get it. That's not what I'm asking you for. I'm asking you for recommendations. Would red look good on this? Would it look like a barn? Would 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 Nantucket blue look good on this? Would, would baby blue? How about bright white? How about gray? What would look? Good? I, yeah, I just don't do that for my clients. My clients just I paint whatever my clients want. Damn. I sure wish you'd give me a recommendation, man. I really could use the recommendation from you. Yeah, I just I just don't do that. I go, well, hell, should I put satin finish or gloss? He goes, glossy finish you should do. I just did that on a house, and I didn't think it was going to look great, and it looked awesome. I go, there you go, man. You just gave me a recommendation. You just helped me make up my mind that I'm going high gloss on this thing instead of satin or eggshell finish on it. I'll make this thing pop. Long story short, we ended up going with a like a royal blue with bright white on uh, all the trim, it'll <clears throat> really differentiate the house. By the way, the cost of that was—I um, think the final cost on that—the power washing and they're going to power wash the dock and all. I think the total bill was nine grand to repaint the house, and um, I think that will probably increase the value of the house fifty thousand. So it cost me nine to make fifty—that was a good deal. But he didn't give me the recommendations. Even though I pushed him and I gave him the clearance and said, dude, I ain't going to hold it against you. I'm just asking you for your ideas. You've been you painted 100 houses out here. Give me an idea what would look good. He wouldn't do it. He still got the job because out at the lake, there's not a lot of painters out there. You kind of They got you over a barrel a little bit. There's only like two guys that paint houses out there because it's 100 miles away from Dallas and a lot of Dallas guys don't want to drive out there. But long story short, life would have been a lot easier for me and for him if he had given me recommendations like I was simply asking him for. Dude, what do you think? You're the freaking expert. What do you think would look awesome on this house? Take this to heart when you're having conversations with customers. What recommendations are you making to them that make their decision to do business with you easier? And if it is sort of all commoditized, that the client is looking at you just like they're looking everybody else over in the same genre, the same light, the same level, your job is to become the challenger. And you could simply say something to them like, you know, I just did a deal. Very similar to this. And here are two things that that customer were interested in. They were interested in the tax implications of it. They were interested in the ability to close fast. They were interested in the cultural element that this decision will have on their company culture. It's not just about what the customer is telling you. It's about what you should be telling the customer about what the customer should be thinking about. That's the kind of recommendation I'm talking about. That's the recommendation that makes you more money. That's the recommendation that turns you into a challenger type salesperson versus a relationship type salesperson because you challenge the customer to think differently and that made your relationship much more valuable than you can take them out to a steak dinner or to a cowboy game and anybody can do that. But very few people can talk to them about real recommendations that make them more money, which in turn make you more money. Hey, I appreciate you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to go further in your business career, man, if you own a company or you manage people, I encourage you to think about coming to the Burn the Ships Boot Camp that Judge and I are putting on December 10th and 11th here in Dallas at the Texas Gun Experience. Just go to burntheships.com, click Boot Camp. And learn it's 4000 bucks, 100% money-back guarantee. Just, just click, just come on, and let Judge and I take care of the rest for you. But it's burntheships.com. Click Boot Camp. Tell you everything you need to know. All right, y'all. I'll see you down the road.